Oh yeah, come on. Come on in the room, my beautiful family. It is time, it is that wonderful time, that healing time, that necessary time. It is time for Therapy Thursday. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in the room. You know how we do. Week after week, while you are coming in the room, while you are texting others the link, while you are telling your friends, family members, your cat, your dog about this, please look up and down the timeline, look up and down the chat and tag somebody. I'm proud of you for showing up for therapy. Let's do it. Let's start a, a love thread, a proud of you thread. Tag somebody, I see you showing up for therapy. I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you. Tag somebody, I am proud of you. You are being intentional with your healing. You are being intentional with your becoming. You are being intentional with your process and your healing journey. And for that, I am so proud of you. I wanna welcome all of our first timers. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this challenges you, helps you heal and blesses your life. For everybody who has been joining week after week ever since, when did we launch this? January? January of this year. Can y'all believe it is almost October? Like this year was gone. That sound effect though. We are already almost in the month of October and I do has, have a um, specific prayer for all of our family members in Florida that just got impacted by Hurricane Ian, I believe was his name. Um, we are in Houston, Texas. We know what it's like to get hit by hurricanes and we are already in the process and already in the motion to figure out ways on how we could help our loved ones, our brothers and sisters in the great state of Florida. So uh, our prayers are with you. Hurricanes are no joke, no joke. It could change your life like this. So we're gonna do everything that we can to partner and to help and more information about that is going to come on this coming Sunday as we start a brand new series, Cuffing Season Part Three. We did it in 2020, we did it in 2021. Now volume three is for 20, 22, and I believe it's gonna be absolutely amazing. Now, let's get to work. I'm not gonna be before you long on tonight. Tonight's conversation is a very needed conversation, um, a very necessary conversation. I'm really going to try to the best of my capability and of course, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help us have a different perspective on this particular issue. And before we start, I wanna tell you this little story that will better assist the uh, backdrop of tonight's um, session. So in 2014, when my wife and I first found out that we were pregnant with our beautiful baby girl, my daughter, uh, we began to flood ourselves and saturate ourselves with all of the wisdom and all of the information that we could about pregnancy. And as the first trimester ended, the second trimester ended, and we got closer to the third trimester. Um, there was this, this other lady who went to the hospital several times. I never heard of this. This was like my first time ever hearing this. I never had a child before, so I was ignorant to this particular process. She was going to the hospital several times because of her contractions, and the hospital actually would send her back home. They would say, okay, you have only dilated to about two centimeters. We need your cervix to be at least 
seven, preferably 10 centimeters before we could go and, you know, you're in labor and the baby is coming. And so she went, got sent back home. And then she went two days later, got sent back home. Went again, you're only three centimeters, centimeters, went back home. And so Tanisha was like, we're not doing that. We are not doing that. We lived, we would go all the way downtown for our hospital, uh, the Texas Women's Pavilion. We would go all the way down there. It's about 30, 40 minutes from my house. And she, was, and she was like, we are not gonna be going back and forth because I am not ready to give birth to this child yet. And so this woman who was going back and forth to the, to the hospital started to get frustrated. And I could just imagine that the, the hospital's like, listen, I know that you're ready to have this child, but it's not time yet. I know that you're tired of the child irritating your sciatic nerve, but it's not time, you're not ready yet. I know you're tired of using the restroom three and four times every hour, but you're not ready yet. I know you're tired of your ankles hurting and, and swelling up, but you're not ready yet. I know that you don't wanna carry this child anymore and you're ready for the child to come out, but you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And I wonder how many of us, similar to this woman who was carrying something, please hear me, similar to this woman who was close to about to receive a blessing, similar to this woman who was about to experience something that she never had before, she was frustrated because she was ready to have it, but she herself was not ready yet. Just because you are available does not mean you are ready. Say that one more time. Just because you are available, just because you are frustrated, just because you think you're ready, does not mean that you're ready yet. How about for this particular Therapy Thursday, let's have a conversation, a discussion, a dialogue around this thought from this subject, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. Oh, I feel this already. I get told all the time I'm ready for this and I, I can't wait for this and I can't wait till I graduate and I can't wait till I get married and I can't wait till 2023 and I can't wait. But what about, are you able to identify when you are not ready yet? I'm not ready. I have the discernment to identify when my desire does not match the timing. You're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. Can I get everybody to put this in the room? I know you don't want to put it, but can I get everybody to put this in the room? You're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. I know you're tired of the contractions, but you're not ready yet. I know you want more opportunities, but you're not ready yet. I know that you want more open doors, but you're not ready yet. I know that you're tired of the place that you are currently at, but you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And I want to pray, and then we're going to go through a plethora of scriptures to better corroborate my claim on tonight. You are not ready yet. God, you're awesome. First, we, we want to repent for all the times, God, we thought that you were taking too long and we created our own Ishmael. Would you give us the patience and most importantly, would you give us the trust to be able to rest in your promises, rest in your timing, and rest in your process more than look to our frustration? 
We're asking that you do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Confession time. Let, let's put this in the room in all caps, and then we're going to go through these scriptures together, okay? I want all of us to put this in the room. Father, give me the patience and discernment to value the not yet season. Yeah. Father, give me the patience and discernment to value the not ready season. You're not ready yet. You're only two centimeters dilated. You're not ready yet. I know it's uncomfortable, but you're not ready yet. You're gonna give birth to it, but right now, you're not ready yet. It's gonna happen, but right now, your posture's not ready. Your heart's not ready. Your mindset's not ready. Your perspective is not ready. You are not ready yet. So let's, let's look at this. And, and Genesis chapter uh, 21, this is a passage of scripture around the time when God was telling Abraham that you're gonna be with a child in your, own, in your old age. I'm gonna do a little hopscotch with a few passages of scripture, but they're all gonna complement one another. Genesis chapter 21, verse, verse one, I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible. It says, the Lord graciously remembered and visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for her as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age at the appointed time, at the appointed time, put a mental bookmark there, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Now we're going to go to Exodus chapter 9, Exodus chapter 9, verse 5. This is a context when Moses kept on going to Pharaoh and telling him, God said, let my people go so that they may worship me. I want you to look at this one verse. Exodus chapter 9, verse 5, it says, And the Lord, and the Lord appointed a set time. The Lord, not me, but the Lord, not my grind, but the Lord appointed a set time. Another bookmark, that's the second one. Appointed time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. Now Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, there is a time, are y'all catching a pattern? There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now we're going to end with this passage of scripture. This takes residence in Songs of Solomon or Songs of Songs, depending on what translation you're reading. I want to read this actually from the Message Bible. Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Oh, let me warn you, sisters. <laughs> I wonder why I went to sisters. Anyway, oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is ripe. This is your fourth mental bookmark. Until the time is ripe and you're ready. Are y'all seeing the pattern 
Okay, Genesis chapter 21, the Lord has an appointed time, okay? Exodus chapter 9, the Lord has a time that is set. The Lord has a time that is set. He has set an appointed time. Then over into Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there is a time for everything. And then in Songs of Songs or Songs of Solomon, it's saying, listen, don't excite love. Don't even stir it up until the time. Somebody put in the room time. Until the time is ripe and you're ready. <laughs> so as, as I look at these passages of scripture, it made me think, if there is a such thing as an appointed time, then by default, that must mean there's a such thing as something being premature. Keep going. If there is a such thing as an appointed time, then by default, that must mean there must be a time when you're not ready or it's not ready. Why? Because there's an appointed time. So it's possible that it's not time for you or it's not time for them. If, if there is a such thing as an appointed time, this must mean you can't rush it. This is so, look, it doesn't matter how much, you, how hard you grind, how hard you push. If there is a such thing as an appointed time, the only influence you could really have is delaying the time, but you can't rush it. You can't expedite it. Appointed time means you have an appointment. I want you to think of this particular example. It's like you have an appointment at 2 p.m., but you show up at 9 a.m. Why are you frustrated at 12 p.m.? <laughs> you have an appointment at 12 p.m., you showed up at 9 a.m., then why are you frustrated at 12 p.m.? The reason you're frustrated at 12 p.m. is because of two things, your expectations and your desires. Oh, you thought if I got there at 9 a.m., they could possibly squeeze me in before the 2 p.m. So because you had an expectation, I'm trying to help us, y'all. A lot of us are mad at people because of expectations that we put on wrong people. You showed up at 9 a.m. and you had an expectation because I got here so early, they could squeeze me in. Because I got here early and now I'm beginning to project my frustration on the dentist, on the doctor, on the comatologist, on who, whatever the appointment is, you're starting to feel some type of way towards the person because you had an expectation. But if they were to squeeze you in, that would throw off everybody else's appointment. Hmm. I wonder who's watching this. You're frustrated and upset at God because he didn't squeeze you in before two. <laughs> Your neck. I wonder who's watching this, who is low-key agitated, irritated, even questioning walking away from the faith, marriage, position, whatever it may be, because you had an expectation that this would squeeze you in earlier. But what if truly there was a such thing as an appointed time? 
If there's a such thing as an appointed time, there must be, this, there must mean there's a time that you're gonna have to wait. If there's a such thing as an appointed time, this must mean that you can, bre you can be premature. So we're frustrated and we have all of this anxiety, but one of the lies of anxiety is anxiety tells you everything is urgent. Did y'all hear what I just said? One of the lies of anxiety is it tells you everything is urgent. Everything has to be rushed. This is what I was talking about a few days ago when I was on an Instagram Live with my brother Ezekiel, uh, Will, and Isaac. I said, haste is the greatest enemy to discernment. When you know no other speed than quick, when you know no other speed than urgent, no other speed than haste, you will, you will start to contaminate your ability to discern. And every cautioning and every warning of God, you only see in a blur because you're moving so fast because that is what anxiety does. Anxiety lies to you and tells you you're behind. Anxiety lies to you and tells you you're gonna miss it. Anxiety lies to you by telling you everything is urgent. My concern on tonight is not about your destination. We've had conversations like that before. You've heard messages like that before. My, my, my concern for you on tonight is not about your arrival, it's not about your destination, it's not about your moment, it's not about your time, it's not even about your season, no. What I wanna focus on is can you identify and discern when it's not your season? That part. Can you identify and discern when you are not ready? See, what do you do when you're called for a thing? You're called to a thing, but you're not gonna do that thing in this season. Hmm. What do you do when you're called to that, but you're not gonna do that right now because you are not ready? And it's not a bad thing. It's not a punishment. It's just a process. Trimester, trimester. You are only two centimeters dilated. I know that you're tired of the contractions. I know that you're tired of the pain, but it's not time yet. And how do you handle the gap between where you are and the appointed time? What voices do you entertain between where you are and the appointed time? What is your heart posture like between where you are and the appointed time? What is your perspective like between where you are and the appointed time? What is your mood like between where you are and the appointed time? You're not ready yet. How do you handle the gap between found love and don't wake Love until it's time, until it's ripe. You're not ready. The distance between where you are and the appointed time is trust, training, and patience. One more time. The distance between where you are and the appointed time is training, trust, and patience. The petition the distance between the petition and the manifestation is trust, training, and patience. If we go a little deeper and look at the creation narrative, as, as I was preparing this content for Therapy Thursday, I noticed something. One of the first kingdom decrees for the earth, 
Like one of the first ordinances of the kingdom of heaven for the earth revolved around time. We see this to be true in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, where we see God saying, let there be light, greater lights by day and lesser lights by night. The greater lights by day is the sun and the lesser lights by night is the moon and the stars. And the distinction between these two is what we have day and night day one and day two. And during this whole process, God was able to see, even though I'm not at day five yet, day one is good. Even though I'm not at day six yet, day two is good. I know that man is not ready to come in this atmosphere yet, but it's still good. And like I articulated many times, it's God-like to see the good and stuff that's unfinished. Are you able to see yourself still as good through Christ, still see yourself as good and know I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. There's still some healing that has to happen in my heart. I'm not ready yet. There's still some training I have to get. I'm not ready yet. How about have this, this perspective? Like I know I'm not ready for a relationship right now. I'm not, I'm still healing from the last one. And I refuse to treat somebody else's heart or allow somebody to treat my heart as a practice field or a recovery station as they're healing and as they're trying to find themselves. I'm not ready yet, I'm not ready yet. But I'm still good even though I'm just in day two. I'm not ready yet, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be vulnerable yet because intimacy requires nudity. Intimacy requires nudity. I have to be naked if I'm gonna be vulnerable. You know how I many married people are having sex but they're not intimate? Most of us have heard it before, into me see. There is no into me see, but intimacy requires nudity. I think the problem with a lot of my generation is we're the wrong type of naked. <laughs> Physically naked, but you are emotionally clothed. I don't talk. I don't express. I don't talk to a therapist. I don't talk to a brother, a sister, a pastor, a leader. I don't talk. Now hear me, a man or a woman who does not talk is emotionally congested. They are emotionally congested. It is the mucus of pain. It is the mucus of regret. It is the mucus of projecting my thoughts on others. It is the mucus of insecurity. This does not mean that they're a bad person, but it does mean if you kiss them, you're gonna catch a cold. <laughs> it does mean if I hang around them long enough, I'll begin to catch what they're carrying. It is the mismanagement of effort mismanagement of effort because I can't identify what's not ready, nor can I identify when I'm not ready. This is how we get hurt. We expound all of our effort, resources, and energy on things that we're not ready for or things that they're not ready for. Please hear me. It does not matter how good of a man you are or how good of a woman you are. Heartbreak is imminent when you try to force a thing or force a, pers force a person to be ready who's not. You are not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And as God is healing me, 
and me being able to identify I'm not ready, I still see myself as good. Day two was still good. Day three was still good, even though it was in a process. Or how about this? I don't need a bigger platform right now. I'm not ready yet. I feel like this is coming for somebody's neck. I don't need one. I don't need one right now. You know why? Because my emotions, my emotional needs are in poverty. Hear me, this is powerful. My emotional needs are in poverty. And whenever you desire more of a platform and your emotional needs are in poverty, their comments feel like verdicts. Their opinions feel like verdicts. And so now I risk telling them what they want to hear. Gosh, I risk losing my focus on being obedient because I'm focused on support more. So I'm going to tell people what they want to hear versus telling people what God told me to tell them because my emotional needs are in a poverty-stricken state. And I'm looking for your like and exchanging my light. I need to say it one more time. I'm looking for your like and exchanging my light. So many of us are questioning ourselves because our emotional needs are in poverty. So everything they say or they don't say feels like a verdict. I don't need a bigger platform right now. Have you ever considered that maybe one of the reasons why we keep pushing people away who try to love us is because you're not even emotionally available to receive the love that you deserve? <laughs> I'm not even there emotionally. I don't even, I don't even trust God. So how am I going to trust an accountability partner? I'm not there. So the love that you have been designed to receive, I'm emotionally unavailable to receive it. I can't birth my gifts. Why? Because I have this perfectionist issue. God, give me a bigger platform, but I have this perfectionist issue. Let me give you a, a, a shocking revelation that God revealed to me. You know where a lot of this perfectionist comes from? It comes from an overcritical or a highly monitored parent. When you are a child and you have a highly monitoring or a micromanaging parent, everything you do feels like you're under the radar. You gotta have this perfect, you gotta have this perfect, you gotta do this. What happens? You become an adult that scrutinizes your own work before you post it. Like, you criticize your own stuff, so you don't post it because you constantly were micromanaged as a child. Everything has to be right. Every I has to be dotted. Every T has to be crossed. Where are those lines in the carpet? You didn't vacuum that, right? And so there's this micromanaging. Ooh, there's this micromanaging that you grew up experiencing, and so now you're a perfectionist. And really, perfectionist is the spirit of fear masked as, I just want this to be perfect. Maybe. I'm not ready for a platform yet. And it's not a bad thing. I'm still good. I'm just not ready yet. I'm not ready to be a husband or a wife, a wife or a husband. How can I be for her what I've never seen myself? How can I deliver to somebody what they desire for me to give to them when I don't have that attribute within myself, nor have I ever seen it? Everything she says feels like disrespect, don't it, bro? <laughs> Every, I'm not talking about her rolling her neck and her, you know, grabbing air when she's talking to you and being loud. I'm not talking about that. 
But I've noticed something. Can I share this with y'all? I've noticed something like the most common statement from husbands is, I don't feel respected. I don't feel respected. And I'm not talking about somebody who is actually disrespectful. I'm like, you view help and correction and honesty as disrespect. And so as out of all of the, the men's conferences, men's summits, men panels, uh, men counseling sessions I've had, I've noticed this pattern. And it was actually last year when I got this epiphany from seeing a wife talk to a husband and him labeling that as disrespect. And I'm like, she's not saying anything disrespectful. And as I was having this conversation with some men, like an epiphany connect the dots moment happened. This comes from many times when a boy, I want all of my single mothers who have sons to listen. Many times this comes from when I was a boy, I was not mothered, I was smothered. I was not mothered, I was smothered. This, this over aggression tone that I constantly had for my mother because she felt she had to be mommy and daddy so she was real rough and she always told me what to do and would get in my face she felt like that's what you needed because the father's not in the home and she was real rough with him and real aggressive with him what that has done has caused for him to despise when a woman corrects him not every man but it's just a pattern I've seen when you correct me I hear mama when you tell, I hear mama, being honest enough to identify that, that I am actually, because we always talk about daddy issues. I'm like, uh, we can have mama issues too. Like, I have been smothered to death. Not mothered, but smothered. I never saw a man lead. I never saw a man who was respected. I never saw a man be served. I never saw a man that was honored with some biblical reverence. I never saw that. And so when you try to tell me something, it takes me back to when I was six, seven years old, when I was 12, 13, and my mom talked to me a certain type of way. I ain't gonna let no woman talk to me like that. And so it comes off like he's chauvinistic, but really what it is, is he was smothered. He was smothered. She felt that's what she needed to do because there was no male influence in his life. And so now, every time you try to say something to him, he hears mama's voice and not yours. That's one dynamic. Another dynamic of it is sometimes mothers treat their son like they just, they husband. Y'all ever seen that? This happens a lot when he gets married. These mother-in-law issues, like he's, he has a full wife right now. He was the man in the house and she did everything for him. And so when he gets older, he could end up looking for mama versus looking for wife. So cook for me, clean for me, let me live with you because I was not raised appropriately on what a kingdom man looks like. That does not mean that you are broken. It just means I need training, I need to trust God, and I need to heal. You're not ready yet, and that's okay. I just need to trust the timing of God, embrace the training of God, and be patient. And my sisters, they're not off the hook either. Right. So many times I want a godly kingdom man. Okay, godly kingdom men establish order and regulate the chaos. If you're used to breathing chaos and you're used to breathing disorder, a kingdom man gonna make you feel like you're suffocating. <laughs> I'm not used to that. That does not mean I'm not good. It just means I'm not ready. You're either gonna have a Delilah mouth, Jezebel mouth, or Abigail mouth.
Delilah knows what to say, but uses men. Jezebel, all she does is really kill men. That's it, like you caught so many bodies. <laughs> Abigail women speak to the king in him because on every man and in every man is a king and a fool. Do you know how to talk to the king in him the way Abigail did when David was about to do something foolish? It's okay, I'm still good, but can I identify when I am not ready yet? I don't have time to waste. People who enjoy wasting time become friends with people who waste time so they can spend time together. Did y'all hear what I just said? People who waste time become friends with those who waste time so they could spend time together. That's what you are doing. You are spending time. Time is currency. It's not expensive. It's priceless. So just a few points. I told you I wasn't gonna be long tonight. Just a few points. How do you know when you're not ready? Point number one, you haven't outgrown toddler language. I'm not ready if my favorite word is mine. <laughs> toddler language, that's mine. My money, my car, my time. My when I'm obsessed with me, I'm not ready because I'm not gonna serve anybody else for their benefit. I'm always gonna think about me. I'm always gonna think about me. So when scripture tells us to live outside of ourselves for the benefit of others, see, remember I told us in January, I said, there are going to be biblical requirements that we're supposed to have as benevolent followers of Jesus that's going to require for us to be healed on the inside to do it. So if I have an issue with serving because I have not outgrown the language of mine, it's going to be hard for me to carry out the biblical principle of bear with each other's burdens, carry each other's burdens, because I haven't outgrown toddler language. Paul puts it this way in a familiar passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Maybe you're not ready if there's no putting away. It's the first thing. I'm not ready if I have not outgrown toddler language. Number two, basic. I'm not ready if I'm still healing. Because if I'm still healing, I risk bleeding on people, projecting on people, attaching to people, or pushing those that I need away because I'm still healing. That does not mean that that's a bad thing. It just means I'm on day two. It just means that I'm only two centimeters dilated. I'm only three centimeters dilated. I'm not ready yet. I want you to be able to identify the not ready. We are preached too much to about your season, but I want us to identify when it's not our season, when we are in off season and it's not time, but you don't question your call because you're not doing what you're called to do in this season. You're just not ready yet. I'm still healing from the last church. I'm still healing from the last relationship. That's wisdom to recognize I'm not ready because I'm still healing and I'm still trying to allow God to wash me of the afterbirth of the last experience of heartbreak that I just came out of. Number three, you're not ready if your emotional needs are in poverty. If I need their acceptance, if I need their like, you're not ready. 
Because what God has called you to do, I'm talking prophetically to somebody, what God has called for you to do is gonna agitate people. It's gonna get on people's nerves. They're not gonna like you. Some people will hate you. Jesus said it this way. If the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. So there's a level of resistance. There's a level of attack. There's a level of assault. There's a level of criticism that you're going to experience when you're in your calling and when you're in your purpose. And if your emotional needs still need the claps and the applause of people, I'm not ready yet. I have to be solidified in the dark. I have to be strong in the dark. So when God does allow the light to shine on me, I can handle the heat. Some of us can only handle one side of the blessing. Only part you can handle is the promotion, but you can't handle the criticism. There's a dirty side to every blessing. The bigger the platform, more the critics. More views, more negative comments. Do you have enough emotional health and spiritual foundation enough to view this as just a minor thing? Because I'm focused on the ultimate thing. And lastly, you're not ready. Ooh, you're not ready if this season feels like a prison. If you are still, I can't wait, you're missing what God is trying to teach. If this season feels like a prison, every offer will look like a bail bond. More money, more opportunities, more open doors, relational interests, they will always be viewed as a way out of where you currently are. It, it's, it's when I learned to trust, like we read in the text, that there's a time for everything. And God is the one that sets time. There's an appointed time. And when I have learned how to get out of this season, everything that God wants me to get out, it's not just getting out of it. It's what am I supposed to get out of it? I should not go into 2023 just as carnal. I should not go into 2023 just as broken. The worst place you could ever be is the same place you were this time last year. It's the worst place you could ever be. When there is no growth on the ultrasound of your spiritual growth. There is no growth on the ultrasound of your soul. I'm in the same place. Still look like a splat. No limbs, <laughs> no arms. I still look like a splat. I want to grow. And you're not ready if this season feels like a prison. The reason I felt so passionate about doing this particular segment on Therapy Thursday is because we're getting lied to a lot. Social media has it to where everybody has a microphone. And the worst thing in the world is when the undiscipled are making disciples. We're lying to people and telling them what they want to hear and people's hearts are getting hurt because they can't identify when this season of your life, all you need is a I'm under construction sign. God's working on me. This is my pasture season. This is my pasture season. And I'm embracing it. And I'm able to be in day three and still see it's good even though I'm not at day six. So I pray that this blessed you. I wanna pray one more time specifically for those who are frustrated with where they are. 
Sometimes we're frustrated due to our choices. But if, just like I said in the beginning, if there's a such thing as an appointed time, by default that must mean it's possible for you to not be ready or for it to not be ready. So now what I have to do is trust the timing of God and the pace of God. It's not, faith is not just what you believe, but how long can you believe it? So God, I specifically pray for those who have found themselves frustrated and are considering to produce their own Ishmael's. I pray specifically for those who are irritated, agitated, even depressed because of all the things and all of the by nows that they have. I should be here by now, have this by now. I thought this would happen by now. Would you remind us that you're sovereign and that you're God? And truly all things do work together for the good of those that love the Lord and that are called according to his name. But our prayer, God, is help us to have the discernment to identify when right now you're performing surgery and you're setting the scene. A closed curtain doesn't always mean production is over. Sometimes it just means the next scene is being prepared. Let us have a different perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.